0: And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy Miller. One I'm Brad Keston. And my name's Jenny Wilson. This is Stacy Heather Tolkien. Hi, my name is Angela Lee Sloan, also known as the voice of Lucy. The voice of Charlie Brown. The voice of Sally Brown. Peppermint Patty. The voice of Linus on Peanuts. Derek Mackey with Cool Water Productions, LLC, and Sam Mason are bringing you the first virtual live autograph signing event ever. This is your chance to add our autographs to your collection. We have pictures, Funko Pops, Super 7 Figures, private one-on-one video chats, and a group panel. You can find all the information on any of our social media pages just by searching at Peanuts Reunion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can actually also order tickets to our October 10th two-part event on inhouse-con.com. The first part of the event will be the one-on-one video chats and Peanuts panel hosted by Derek Mackey from 12 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. Then you can go over to our Facebook page and watch us sign your items live hosted by Sam Mason. We also have a uh, a mail-in service where you can send in your items and have them signed by us or you can buy one or more of our items that we have for pre-sale. Starting now! The pre-sale items are limited in number, so get yours today. Brad Keston, voice of Charlie Brown. Sally Brown. This is Linus. So, join us October 10th. We can't wait to see you there. Thanks so much. I'd like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. Thanking you for being a Peanuts fan. I'd really like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. This is Peppermint Patty, and I would like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. See you on October 10th. life is an American nerd. I am your host David K Montoya. Welcome back to another week full of nerd news and excitement. It's kind of uh, our trademark thing around here. Uh, we go, we jump in and we have a good time. Um, you know there's before we get into the and I do I have uh, the regular routine um, which is movie news. A TV series news, comic book, no, yeah, comic book news, cartoon news, and Toy of the Week. It feels like I'm forgetting something. But uh, before I jump in, I I kind of got uh, something on my mind. And and I want to publicly talk about and kind of clear the air about this. Now, if anybody follows me on any of my my social media, um, whether it be... Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I do have a TikTok, but I I don't. I don't even use TikTok. I just kind. I have TikTok for to keep an eye on my kid, basically. Um, But anyway, if you have those three, I I put put up a post the other day. I think it was Monday, and I talked about self-esteem issues. And basically what had happened was I've, I've been hired by a company to to write their novels as a ghost writer and they give me a difficult assignment in the delivery now the character is kind of scrupulous I guess I, I yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not the greatest guy in the world. So they kind of—he's—he's he's one of those—he's an antagonist from the get-go. Even though they keep calling him protagonist because he's the lead story or lead character in the story, he's still an antagonist. Um, yeah, he—he he was not a very nice person, and I followed the the outlines and I turned it in to. Uh, it's a long story but anyway i turned it in to reviewers and before i can get paid i have to get a certain number on the reviews and the first one was low it was like really low so i cleaned it up a little bit because of what they were saying there really wasn't much i can do so i sent it back in then i got another low score i was really frustrated so I went in, did a complete overhaul on the story, did the best I could do, sent it in. And that was like, what, two months ago, three months ago, something like that. So I emailed everybody, you know, I got the runaround, I got the email and then essentially I got the email back saying, well, you know, your story sucked so bad that we're going to put it on the non-priority list and, and uh, we'll probably have to have an editor come in and clean it up or some ridiculousness that hit me hard that made me question my ability as a writer which shouldn't be that way because i've been writing for 30 years and sometimes yeah sometimes i turn out crap i i'm a human being i can't write you know Great stories every time. And if I said I did, number one, I'd be lying. And number two, I'd be a fool of myself. And I try to not do either, to be honest with you. But I think for what was given to me in this project was... I think I turned out something really good. But unfortunately with the... How do I say this nicely? With the current mindset of the popular culture, um, the characters were not well received. Now, let's let's just put it this way, okay? If we were to modernize the Bible and put it out there, um, it would. It, right now, with this type of culture, it would not be well received. Uh, kind of not not like. Religious-wise, but still kind of that, in that same vein, without breaking my my contract and talking about actually what it's about. Because I still want to get paid. They owe me a bunch of money. I want to get paid. So, it hit me. It hit me hard, and I'm I'm a person. I think I'm a private person. I, I don't like getting out there, and, and, you know, poor me, boo-hoo, uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there on social media that do that on a daily basis, um, you know, and, you know, there's no Munchausens on this this side of the mic, let me just tell you that right now, um, and, in fact, I wasn't going to, I, I wrote it out, and I sent it to a friend, and, and they said that, you know, yeah, go ahead, just see what happens, just see what happens. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I sent it out, and I put it on all three platforms. And even though I have almost like 500 people that follow me on Twitter, nobody ever actually talks to me on Twitter, which is weird. But the, the main was uh, Instagram and Facebook. I had a lot of positive feedback. And it really meant a lot to me because God knows that I wasn't expecting one person to to even say anything, and to get the feedback that I received was just mind blowing. Uh, I I don't I try not to think about you know who listens to my podcast or who reads my stories or. Who even knows me? You know, what movies I've done, blah, blah, blah. You know, I try not to think about that. I try to be Dave. And I. It doesn't matter what where I'm at, whether it be, you know, here at home being dad or being a friend or being a podcaster or a writer or a publisher. You, you get what I'm saying. I try to stay genuine to who I am. But. That, to me, is not thinking about superficial stuff, like numbers, like people that actually pay attention to what I say. Um, and the express of support, just like, wow, wow. It just... To the point where, when I got this feedback, I know I'm working on... Um, the missing unicorn in the land of the zombie fairies, and and I'm on uh, chapter twelve at the moment. Well, not now, but I was, you know. And I was sitting at the screen. I sat that night. I sat at the screen. And Tuesday, even though Tuesday I was feeling better, I still sat at the screen. I couldn't, I couldn't write. And then something happened today. Um, no, I I got my time mixed up. I didn't write Monday, most of Tuesday, but then something happened Tuesday evening and I just started writing. I was able to, or Tuesday afternoon mainly, and I was able to turn out something that I felt was very strong. And it just like, I kind of feel silly for letting somebody get into my head like that because I've mentored a lot of people in, in the way of writing in, in, in the last 30 years. And and I've, I always tell them, you know, rule number one is to have tough skin. but And I'm not going to get personal. I'm not going to, you know, pull out the email and read the email. Because it, the email to me was a direct uh, insult to me and my writing abilities. But whatever. Um, but yeah, I let them get into my, my mind and, and, and play with my... Self-doubt. And one of these days, because we're getting ready to hit the 10-minute mark, uh, and I only wanted to spend like three minutes on this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, one of these days I'll explain where the self-doubt comes from. But that, I don't know, maybe that'll be a special or something, because that would be a very, very sad, depressing, um, unlike you know, what you're used to as far as, you know, my public life, um, and then, I, yeah, <laughs> we'll see, one of these days, uh, I've, I, you know, hey, if I actually do achieve something, well, no, that's not true, I, uh, I did a podcast interview with the Myth Master for the World of Myth a uh, while well back ago, and... One of the things that he called me, which is like really resonated with me. And to this day, it still sticks with me. Uh, What was it? An unsuccessful achiever. I'm like, damn, that's so me. That is so me. So maybe one day when I'm a successful achiever, maybe I'll write like an autobiography or something. We'll see what happens. But thank you to everybody that took the time to a read my rant and b sincerely thank you for your reply. It it meant it means still means the world to me. I was gonna say meant that's path tense. No, it still means something to me right now, this very moment, because it's still relevant to the way I'm feeling. So thank you so much. All right, gang, we are breaking into the 11-minute mark, and we are starting the show officially. Whew. Okay, um, so if you are brand new to the show, welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. This is season four. We do seasons here, yes, because, well, you'll find out how nice and grumpy I am by the time we get to December. Um, I've been podcasting since 2012. Uh, not particularly this show but I've been podcast I've been a podcaster since 2012 I have over a thousand podcasts under my belt and I've always kind of veered to highlight other people other people's wants and needs but this this is for me I am a nerd I'm 43 years old and I'm a nerd I I I don't know how to say it any other way. <laughs> All right, I'm back. I know it isn't. It won't sound like I was gone, but I actually had to take a quick break because for some reason it is 12 in the morning and my coffee maker started because I have it on auto set because I drink a lot of coffee. Well, particularly I drink keto coffee at noon, so I had it preset for noon. For some reason now, it's set for 12 a.m. I don't know. So that's what you heard in the background. It was, if you heard it at all, was the coffee maker. Okay, anyway, um, jumping back into the show, what we do here is I pull up some brand new nerd news, hopefully something that you haven't heard. I will read an article to you. We will maybe discuss it for a brief moment or two. And we will move along. And like I said in the beginning of the show, we cover a movie news, a TV show news, a cartoon news, a comic book news. And then we do, uh, what is it, Toy of the Week, which, yeah, it's i seen it. I was just thumbing through. I wasn't even particularly looking for Toy of the Week. I was looking for a new Freddy Krueger action figure, and I found it. Not for Freddy Krueger, but this 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 week's toy of the week. Okay, so let's go ahead and drop that and come over here to our first topic. And there's really no intro into it except uh, you know Tom Cruise is has been known to to do his own thing, and um, he's he's going to be in another movie next next year, but. Uh, uh, let me just tell you what it says. Tom Cruise cleared to film movie in space next year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. You heard that right. I was even like, what? What you talking about, Willis? Okay. And the article says, The COVID-19 pandemic has completely impacted film and TV productions going forward. The studios try to figure out how to create new content amid the new normal. The action star Tom Cruise unintentionally found a creative way to step or sidestep that, with news breaking earlier this year that the actor plans to film a movie entirely in outer space. space, space, space. Yeah, That's right. The film would be a collaboration between Elon Musk's SpaceX and NASA, and production would take place aboard an International Space Station, and now we know when that could potentially literally get off the ground, according to the new report from TMZ. A 2020 to 2023 manifest lists crews and director Doug Liman among the passengers of the International Space Station. The duo is expected to hitch a ride to SpaceX crew Dragon Rocket and Capsule to the ISS, which will launch in October of 2021. The action-adventure film, which is still untitled, reportedly has a $200 million commitment from Universal Studios. Days after initial rumor around the film have begun to swirl NASA Administrator Jim Burstein confirmed the news, arguing that projects like the film will inspire a new generation of engineers and scientists to make NASA ambitious plans a reality. While the project is apparently in the early stages, it does feel pretty on board for Cruise, especially given his history with other stunts. Just within the Mission Impossible franchise, he's, cl- he's climbed skyscrapers, hung from the side of a plane, Hung out a helicopter, that latter film briefly had to shut down production when Cruz broke his ankle, leaping across rooftops. That's, that's some pretty hardcore stuff. I just wanted to keep going because I know I'm not doing this again, Cruz said of the stunt in 2018 interview. I had to go into full rehab. I had friends calling, Oh, man, you want to come down for the south of France? I had to reply, I got 10 to 12 hours of rehab. Yeah, it sucks. I spent years training for these things, and I have been doing them for years. So we do everything we can possible to limit any kind of mistakes. And... We are very thorough about how we approach these things and calculate it, Cruz explained. When you're going, there are times I'm not wearing a helmet and we are going high speed. What do you think about Tom Cruise's official plans of making a movie in outer space? Space, 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 space. Again, I tried. I <laughs> tried. Uh, okay, so, yeah, there we go. He is going to do a live-action film in the International Space Station. And I say, why not? You know, people are so... Uh, how do I say this? They are still paranoid about getting sick. And I think space is... Well, neither A. you One, it's, he's going to take it up to everybody in space. <laughs> Or B, he'll be perfectly fine. Uh, Okay, so let's go ahead and just move right along here. As we say goodbye to a favorite TV show. Uh, It ran good six seasons, but it's going bye-bye now. So we say goodbye to the CW Supergirl to end with season six. The CW announced Supergirl will conclude with Season 6, bringing the long-running Arrowverse series to a close during the network's mid-season lineup. I wonder why. Hmm, let's find out. The CW Supergirl will end Season 6. The network announced the long-running Arrowverse series will air 20 more episodes from drawing to close. The sixth and final season of the series will begin productions this month. With plans to premiere during the CW's 2021 mid-line, mid-season lineup, sorry the reason behind the decision to end the series has not been given at this time. Boo. Boo. We want to know. Supergirl debuted on CBS in 2015 before making the unprecedented network move to the CW for its second season. In the wake of this shift, production moved to Los Angeles, California, to Vancouver, British Columbia, to join the CW's other DCTV TV shows. Ooh, try to say that again, folks. Filming will remain in Vancouver through the show's final season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I heard that Vancouver has a really good uh, tax incentive for TV shows. In the first season, Supergirl introduced Melissa Benoit as Supergirl. She became a hero to National City with some help from her adoptive sister, Alex Denvers, and D.O. director, Hank Henshaw, who was later revealed to be Johns Johns, the Martian Manhunter. Over the course of the series, she has been joined by other DC heroes, including the Legion of Superheroes, and Nia, Dreamer Nell, the live-action transgender superhero. In March, Bonoist announced she and her husband, Chris Wood, would be expecting their first child together. Based on this, production of Season 6 was delayed to accommodate her pregnancy, as additional time included her maternity leave. As a result, Supergirl will air its final season as a mid-season show. Due to the adjustment schedule, the CW's mid-season is expected to launch sometime between April and June of 2021. Although Supergirl itself won't return after Season 6, the show's legacy will live on in Superman and Lois, the CW's new Arrowverse series. Superman and Lois will pick up with Tyler Hitchlin is superman who has been introduced in the supergirl season two premiere after he moves back to smallville with his wife lois lane and their two teenage sons these are this version of superman played a critical role alongside super cousin in the last year's crisis on infinite earth crossover returning to the cw in mid 2021 for its final season, Supergirl stars Minissa, Melissa Benoit as Kara Denvers, David Harewood as Martian Manhuntin, Manhunter, and Shaler Char- Lee as Alex Denvers, or Danvers, Nicole Maines as Dreamer, and Jesse Rath- Roth as Brainiac 5, and more. Yay. Yeah. So what I'm thinking here, gang, is that simply, I don't know, maybe she might be finished with acting for a while, you know, to take time to raise her kid. And, um, you know, she can't do the rigorous schedule of filming a TV show all the time. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe bring it back. I, I don't know. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I, I never watched Supergirl. Um, it just did not appeal to me uh i i only watched one cw dc cw kind of show. And that was um that's not true too i well it wasn't dc cw i watched uh gotham which was on fox which i loved and then on the cw i watched the flash but i haven't watched the flash since like season three but anyway i digress anyway Uh, Speaking of cartoons, I was kind of rambling there as I was looking at this. Um, So I just found out that there is a Star Trek cartoon. And it's called Star Trek Lower Decks. And I did not know this. And I am ashamed of myself because how do I watch this? I want to see this. I want to see this now. And I'm very interested in seeing this now, especially with stuff like today's topic, as we cover this part of the section of the Cartoon News, and it is Star Trek Lower Decks brings back this TNG, which is the Next Generation era alien. I say, like, ooh, who did they bring back? Alright, and let's see what the article says. As the crew of Star Trek Lower Deck ventures into the cosmos, they run into a familiar alien that first appeared on The Next Generation. Okay, Uh, I gotta give you a warning, so here we go. Warning the following contains spoilers for Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1, Episode 7. Much ado about now streaming on CBS All Access. And now I know where to watch it. Yay! Okay, so it says, Every episode of Star Trek Lower Decks has been packed with references to previous television series and films from iconic science fiction franchise. From the original live-action to animated series to Voyager to Deep Space Nine, the latest episode of Lower Decks features... Another nod to the next generation, with the surprise return of an alien species that has, hasn't been seen since the FanFave series premiere episode, Encounter at Farpoint, a space jellyfish that needs directly raw energy. Oh, I remember that. Oh, okay. Sweet. Cool. That's very cool. That's a good nod. While Captain Freeman, I don't know why I'm reading it like this, but while Captain Freeman leads a crack team away from the ship on a top secret agricultural mission of virtual importance to the fleet, or Starfleet, Amina Ramsey takes over as the acting captain of the Cerios, leading her own interim senior officer team. An old friend of Ensign Miners from back in Starfleet Academy, Ramsey has risen through the ranks to lead her own Starfleet vessel, while Mariner is content remaining a junior officer, despite her outstanding service record during her Academy years. While disappointed in Mariner's lack of ambition, the two women leap into action, when they rendezvous with fellow Starfleet vessel the Rubidox, okay, finding the vessel adrift in the international system, including artificial gravity, non-functional, non-functional, Ramsey and Mariner lead a way team to board the vessel and investigate. The two officers learn that Rubido crew that the starship has been infiltrated by a creature that consumes raw energy and they turn off power to get it to growing faster. Yep, i remember. However, another team separate from Ramsey and Mariner are unaware of this and restore the vital ship's system, oh, reawakening the creature. So Mariner takes a point to coordinate a rescue of Rubidox. Rubidox, or Rubido? We'll figure it out. Uh, crew by bringing them back to the Cerritos as the jellyfish bursts from the starship and depart into the cosmos. Hmm. I see a theme this week. I didn't even realize it. Interesting. You know, because, you know, Tom Cruise is filming in space and, and now we're we're doing Star Trek. You know, space. In space, 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 space. Uh, all right. I'll try again next time. All right, the massive cosmic jellyfish is nearly identical to the, a similar creature seen when Captain Jean-Luc Picard first took command of the Enterprise in the next generation. The omnipent, omnipotent Good gosh, that was hard to say. Omnipotent being Q selected Picard to serve as a representative for human upon which he was levying judgment Picard decided that fairpoint station was actually built on a dormant jellyfish and that attacking aliens was actually its mate reviving the grounded jellyfish with energy directly from the enterprise the two aliens were reunited and departed with a begrudgingly satisfied cue deciding to spare humanity for now <laughs> I remember that episode. The jellyfish is yet another deep cut from the vast Star Trek mythos and continues to demonstrate the Lower Decks is a love letter to the series that comes before it. Normally references like this are little more than small allusions and gags, but with John D. Lawrence confirmed to reprise his role as Q in the upcoming episode of Lower Decks perhaps mariners compelling a similar task to the Q's continuum line frenzy may be enticing incident to put the Cerritos on their radar. And with the crew of the Cerritos less capable than the Enterprises, Q may judge humanity as lacking this time around. Okay. And of course, you can go check that out. On Thursdays and CBS All Access. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I will totally. what are we at? Would they say seventh episode, something like that? Let me jump back up here. Yeah. So we are going to. We'll, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. Um. Yeah, looks good. So okay, now let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I was just trying to think how how Supergirl tied in the mix between the theme of space. (gasps) Supergirl came from space. There you go. Yeah. I'm not Batman, but it works. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm delusional. (laughs) It is? What time is it? It is like, shoot, 1222 a.m. at the moment. Okay. uh, Let's see. So, if anybody knows me, knows that I'm a huge X-Men fan. And if you don't, the backstory story is, is that um, my cousin Michael used to come from Washington during the summers. And I, I live here in California. I've lived in California all my my life, basically. Um, well, all my adolescence, I was here in California. And he would come down from Washington, and he would have these comic books. And... We would just check them out. And I couldn't read them, to be honest with you. Because I I couldn't read that well. But I always liked the artwork. So I I became invested in what kind of story I could pull from the artwork. So in 1987, I was 10. And I was introduced to the X-Men. And I've been uh, a fan of the X-Men since 1987. So I've been a fan of the X-Men for 33 years. So that is probably why I don't pull up a lot of X-Men news because like <clears throat> I get a lot of flack from the last time. It was like last season I pulled up an X-Men news and I just kind of griped. I mean, I, I did, I griped because I was very unhappy with the way things were going. And, uh, so I, I was like, eh. And in fact, I, I had another, uh, the Joker war piece, pulled up, and I was like, you know, I've been given a lot of attention to Batman, so let's just go ahead and change things up so it's not like the same thing over and over again, and the only thing that really caught my attention was the X-Men, So, and I say all this because I don't know my reaction, okay, I don't know how I'm going to react, I don't know if I'm going to get pissy or not, Um, it's a possibility, because I am a huge X-Men fan, Now, if you ever want to see me really get twisted and knots, have me talk about, like, the X-Men movies. Especially, like, my my best friend and I, Russo, Alan Russo, we were talking about this the other day, was the X-Men, the very first 2000 X-Men movie. And to this day, (laughs) I still get so twisted. Because it's like, they cannot get it right. They've made, who knows how many movies they've literally made at this point. Um... And none of them were right. So there you go. Okay. <sighs> Here we go. X-Men. Kokoa is racing towards Marvel's biggest clone saga. Now, I was around in the 90s when Spider-Man did the clone saga. And it wasn't good. <laughs> it was not good at all. Before, like, you know, all the, the fanboys came out and started hating it. You know, on, like when before the internet. Uh, yeah, I wasn't digging it at all either. So, going with that line kind of made me go, uh... So, here we go. This is the byline. There has been an increased number of clones created recently by the enemy of the X-Men since House of X. There has the potential to spell Disaster. Now, I have to. I'm looking at this artwork and I, I hope they tell me who's the artist here. Uh, I don't see the artist's name, but it's really good. Okay, so before we dive in here, I have to give you your warning. Warning the following contains spoilers for X Force number 12 by Benjamin Percy Bazadu, Guru EFX Tom Miller. VC's Joe Camamagna Cam- Cam- X Factor Number Three by Lee Williams, David Bollen, Israel Solva VC Joe Camamagna, magna and Hellion Number Three by Zeb Wells, Stephen Sivawa, and David Kroll now on sale. The clones have become a way of life with the Marvel Universe. This trope goes back to the infamous and polarizing Spider-Man clones featured the more readily accepted clones created by Mr. Sinister in the world of the X-Men. As it stands, the newly established mutant nation of Kokoa may be poised to enter into a new clone saga that might be the biggest and deadliest yet. Okay. While Mr. Sinister, or at least one of his clones, is part of the Quiet Council of Kokoa, his clone factory is hard at work. In the pages of Hellions, the Green Goblin, Marilyn Pryor, is at Sinister's clone farm, and she has a massive undertaking in the process. She is creating clones of the original martyrs, and plans to send them to Kokoa by the thousands for a second mutant massacre. Do I want to go into it? Okay. Um, Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen, she is... uh, I said Green Goblin. I meant Goblin Queen. Sorry, guys. Um, She's a clone of Jean Grey. There. I said it. Okay. That's all I'm going. That's all I'm saying. Unless it was changed. That's all I know. Okay. X-Force knows war is coming as well fr- from the forces of Mikhail Ruspin. Oh, he's back, huh? And the anti-mutant organization Zeno with an X. X-E-N-O. Zeno. This group already kidnapped Domino and created clones of her to attack Kokoa once before. While X-Force re- retrieved Domino and destroyed the army of clones, Mikhail captured both Kid Omega and Cerebral Sword, intending to use them to create even better clones to turn against the X-Men. Finally, in the pages of X-Factor, the team found Sophia Mantiga, a.k.a. Wind Dancer, and Shatterstar while investigating the Mojoverse. Wind Dancer was killed for the entertainment of Mojo's twisted live streamers, and Shatterstar interfered that he... Was being held in a dimension against his will. Shadowstar also confirmed the existence of cloning factory within the Mo- Mojoverse, where hundreds of clones are created, some with mutant DNA to serve the cannon fodder in the games. The gladiator, gladiator, gladiator. They're gladiators, folks. I am not getting it out. The three different cloning operations are in operation right now. And that doesn't even include the fact that the Mutant Resurrection Protocol currently being used by Kokoa is basically cloning itself. However, while the mutants return from the dead with their minds, memories, and powers intact, and the other three cloning facilities are used to create armies to serve their makers. If the various X-Men teams don't get this under control, it could not only be significant clone saga coming to the X-Men universe, but a clone war coming to Kokoa. Okay. Um, I'm not digging this artwork. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm not digging the artwork. I guess that's the cerebral sword. Uh, no. Uh-uh. Uh, see, nope. Okay. Next, both the Goblin Queen and the mutant haters at Xenos are creating clones for the same reason separate from each other. Zeno has already infiltrated and attacked Kokoa once, and they were able to get the cerebral sword in the process. There were casualties, but not enough that the resurrection protocol couldn't be or bring them back. The goblin queen is recreating the martyrs and she wants to kill as many mutants as she can with her clone army. It appears that she even has her former lover havoc under her sway. Now, guys, um, this gets really weird, okay? Again, I don't know if they've changed it, but this is, this is what I know from reading comics for 33 years. Okay, so when, when everybody thought Jean Grey was dead... Right? The Phoenix Force came in. Spun her in a cocoon. Put her in the... The... the what was it? The Hudson River? And that was it. They thought she was dead, right? Okay, so... Sinister created Madeline Pryor to get to a very depressed Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops. Obviously, he sees her, he falls in love with her. They get married, and they have a kid named, wait for it, Christopher Nathan Summers, a.k.a. wait for it, Cable. Yes, she is the mother to Cable, and it has not been mentioned once. Okay? So, She goes bat crap, you know, bat crap. There we go. Bat crap crazy. I'm trying not to curse. And, uh, you know, Sykes like peace out. You know, he he does one of his his things. And uh, his brother, Havoc, like, I got you. I got you. I'm the younger Summers. I got you. And then they had a, a fling. Yeah, that was that that stuff is straight out of Jerry Springer, but I am not kidding. That's the way it happened in the comics. I don't know if it got changed, but that's the way it was. So they didn't they haven't even mentioned the fact that the Goblin Queen is Cable's mother. Okay? Just throwing it out there. With three separate uh, formidable opponents creating their own clones, it seems almost inevitable that the X-Men to get caught up in their own version of the Clone Saga. If any of these enemies are able to launch a clone attack on a massive scale, the X-Men could quite possibly end up on their knees deep in bodies. And that's pretty much what I'm going to say, and that that's it with this, this one. Um, I think they're doing that because they can kill like a mess full of mutants, and... They don't have to worry about it, you know. They're like, "Oh, it was just a clone. Well, you know, no big deal. Peace out." Um, I don't know, guys. It, it honestly, it doesn't sound that bad. The artwork that's being shown on this, with uh, I think that's Doctor Strange. I'm not sure. That's weird. I don't know who that is. But I know that's Beast. I know that's Wolverine. I know that's Cyclops. Or not Cyclops, Colossus. And that's some amazing drawings. But when you roll down here. And, well, there's a picture of the Goblin Queen. That's some great artwork, too. But you go a little bit further down, and it's panels from the artwork. And it's uh, I'm assuming it's Mikael. Now, Mikael, which was not touched on in this article either, Mikael Ruspin is also the brother to Peter Ruspin, a.k.a. Cyclops. Oh, no, Cyclops. Good God. Colossus. Uh, also, Ileana Ruspin, which... Uh, is the, the younger sister to both. Wasn't touched on. I want to find out more about the cerebral sword. Because that seems very unlike. It's, it's very un-X-Men like. You know. A sword. Uh. Yeah. No. Because to me. X-Men has always been like modern. As far as their weaponry. And to, to bring in a sword. Feels very outdated. Like. I don't know. I am doing my best not to rant folks. Um. Because, you know, I'm a big fan. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to leave that where it lies. And we're going to jump over here to Toy of the Week, which is the BigBadToyStore.com. And I am obligated to say that I don't get any type of endorsement from these guys. I don't get no cash. I don't get no recognition. I don't even think they know I exist, to be honest with you. But they they have the best prices, they have the best merchandise, and I buy my stuff from there. So that's why I always come here to the Big Bad Toy Store. Uh, again, I'm not getting no type no of pay. I'm, this is not a commercial. This is legitimately me finding stuff that I can share with you. Now, there has been a couple times where I found other... Uh, action figures, toys, that were not here. So I I will go outside of the the website, but this is my preferred website that I use because I, I just, I, I've had nothing but good come out of this. Okay, so with all the information going around, um, you know, because there is a season 2 of Mandalorian coming out. They just dropped the trailer. Um, we at the Jazilmon Dark Myth Company just announced that we are going to have uh, a, a celebrity from the Mandalorian be at PCE. So there's a lot of Mandalorian talk, and that was fresh in my head. And as I was looking through, I only rolled down a, a little bit, and I seen this, and I was like, "Oh, we got it! You know, we it, it fits in with the Mandalorian talk." And it is the Mandalorian Bounty Hunter Collection. The Child Pushing Button and Ride Moment 2-Pack by Hasbro. Brand, of course, is Star Wars. Now, before we get into this, it is a pre-order. I always do pre-order. Uh, and that's simply because if you listen to this next week, a week after that, or a week after that, you still have the same opportunity that a person does right now listening to this. Uh, and I always try to make it fair. I always go into the pre-order. Now, as I'm looking at this, uh, I'm thinking of season one, you know, because uh, the child, Baby Yoda, he keeps wanting to push the buttons. Keep push the buttons. Keep push the buttons. Well, there's one of him pushing the buttons with a smart look on his face. And then him riding along in a knapsack slash backpack. And he's got his ears back and he looks like he's having a blast. And they are actually absolutely adorable to be completely honest with you Um, i don't believe they're adjustable but we'll get down to the product description in just a minute and it is very adorable Um, and it is a two pack so they both come together and they are for uh, ages four and up and let's go ahead and scroll down to the product description and it is, from Hasbro's Star Wars Collection, the Bounty Hunter Collection, the Child Collection, 2-Pack, is inspired by the super cute character from the hit Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. He may look like Baby Yoda, but this 50-year-old adorable creature is called The Child, and is many things, cute, curious, hungry, sleepy, force-sensitive, and one of galaxy's most wanted. Fans can start their own collection of this adorable character in poses aspired by iconic scenes from the live-action streaming series. So yeah, they're not movable. The two-pack is is uh, posed-out cutie features, the child pushing a button, and writing moment poses. It's hard to decide which one's the cutest, and our hearts just burst. The feature product is that they're only 2.2 inches tall, which is roughly about 5.58 centimeters. They are made of plastic, and it is from The Mandalorian TV Show. They are great to start a super cute collection and collect them all. Now, what comes in the box is a... There's two. There's two child figures. Now, also, it is mandatory that I read this. It is the general safety warning product sold by... This website may be intended for adult collectors. Products may contain sharp points, small parts, choking hazards, or other elements not suitable for children under 16 years old. Now, I read that, but I did tell you that this is approved for 4-year-olds. Now, you're like, okay, so what's the price? Now, let me hit you with the price. Now, you're going to pay $16.99 for this. And basically what it comes down to is, what, 850 a box. Because, again, it comes in a two-pack. And, um, I don't know. I, I might. I, I, I've been trying really hard not to spend a lot of my money. <laughs> but I just might break down and buy this bad boy. It is absolutely adorable. My personal favorite is the one where he's pushing the button because he he looks like he's getting away with something. Uh, Also, just to let you know, there is a standard and shipping cost, and there's a collector's cost, and if you wanted to go that route, it's 2 bucks more. And pre-order notes, of course, says that the arrival date is an estimate, not a guarantee. No payment is due until the product is available to ship, and the item may be canceled anytime before the payment is due. Now... It is due to be out November 2020, so like I said, you know, there's plenty of time. Go to Big Bad Toy Store, pop in Mandalorian, the Bounty Hunter Collection, the Child Pushing Button, and and that's an ampersand, not actual A and but ampersand, Ride Moment 2 Pack, and check it out. And uh, you know, you can set on it for literally a couple months before you decide that, hey, you know, this is something that you want to do. And it's 16 bucks. okay? That's that's not expensive at all. All right, gang. I think I am finished for this morning. I am tired, so I'm going to call it a day. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for letting me talk about what was on my mind as far as the writing. And uh, just to let you know, I don't know if I actually said this or not, but I did complete Chapter 12, which will be available tomorrow on theworldofmyth.com. And it is the, the uh, Missing Unicorn in the Land of Zombie Fairies, number 12, which is by me, David K. Montoya. And you are absolutely welcome to go check it out for free. The entire magazine is for free. And that comes out tomorrow at www.theworldofmyth.com. All right, gang, that is it for me this week. So for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you... 爹